Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a June 1st, Thursday, Game 1 of the NBA Finals Day edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia-Gunderson, a writer at the Associated Press, Real GM, former Blazer beat writer at the Vancouver Columbian. Welcome back to Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We keep growing. We have a podcast for every NBA team. We have a podcast, well, every NBA team except the Nets. We have uh, the NFL covered as well, fantasy sports. You name it, we probably got it. And we keep growing. And you have an opportunity to join the Locked On Podcast Network. The Locked On Podcast Network is hiring a national sales manager. Be a part of the fastest growing sports podcast network selling the NBA channel, NFL channel, and the entire network to national advertisers. If you have the skills, the perseverance, and the game to be a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, email LockedOnPodcasts at gmail.com. That is LockedOnPodcasts at gmail.com. As I mentioned, uh, it is Game 1 of the NBA Finals today. Uh, before we get in, you know, I'll talk about that a little bit, but before I do talk about that, we want to let you know what we have on today's show. And we have been doing the season in review. I just did the bench wings yesterday, but uh, we're going to deviate a little bit from that today because... The conversation that I had with our draft expert, Mike Weisenberg from NBADraft.net, very fun, very informative, went pretty long, so I don't want to double up those episodes and make it, you know, potentially a two-hour podcast, uh, you know, so uh, we're just going to do the draft talk with Mike Weisenberg for today's episode. We will do the bench bigs next week. I think on Tuesday is when we will do it, and uh, so that will be coming very soon. We'll talk about Ed Davis, Myers Leonard, Noah Vonley, those guys uh, next week, but we just, with the draft talk, and we're going to probably do this again, and I'm going to have some other guests as well to share their perspective on the draft because... uh, I, I get into it around this time of year, but I haven't, you know, I haven't been as into it as some of the guys that I'm going to bring on. So, uh, had Mike on, got, you know, some other, uh, people to bring on. So very excited for all the draft coverage we have and very excited, uh, for you to listen to this episode with Mike Weisenberg. 
He was at the EYBL, uh, the Nike Elite Youth Basketball League in LA this past weekend. So, uh, you know, this is a guy that, you know, is out here and on the grind and seeing these guys very early on. So uh, really fun conversation with Mike. Uh, so, But the big man season in review will be delayed until next week. Appreciate the patience on that. Also, game one of the NBA Finals is tonight at 6 p.m., that is 6 p.m. West Coast time. Game is going to be on ABC. Cavs, Warriors, what we all expected from the day that Kevin Durant signed with the Warriors. And, you know, when that happened, I, I, I thought to myself, well, you know, it's just going to be Cavs, Warriors for the foreseeable future. And there's really no, there's really nothing that's changed on that end. But even to me, you know, I was wondering, you know, how is anybody just going to beat the Warriors, period? Not even just Cavs Warriors being there three years in a row, but how are they going to be beaten? And they've been undefeated so far here in these playoffs. And the, the Warriors have been dominant. Durant looks even more comfortable playing their style. Down the stretch of that San Antonio game, you could really see him just kind of working within that system, making the next pass, not necessarily setting up his ISOs at the elbow, whatever. It really looks like things are clicking for them. But the way that the Cavs have played in the Eastern Conference gives me hope that this is going to be a competitive series that goes six or seven. And, you know, uh, early on in the playoffs, you know, I was looking at the playoff odds. I was like, hey, you know what? The odds on Cleveland are pretty good, so I'll put some I'll, I'll put some down on Cleveland. So I, I have a financial interest in the Cavs at this point, but so so there's that uh, you know in the conference semis the way they were just working teams. I mean I thought Toronto would with adding PJ Tucker, adding Serge Ibaka. I thought those little additions on the margin you know may make up some ground and and push the Cavs a little bit, but the Cavs just absolutely destroyed them. They have looked invincible. I don't think anyone can stop their offense. And they their defense has had some problems, but I, I just don't necessarily I just don't see how either one of these teams can stop each other. And I know there's been a lot of talk about the Cavs defense and how bad it was in the regular season. I agree with you. I, I agree with that statement. Their defense was bad, and that's one of the reasons why I was, you know, a little worried about them in the playoffs. But, you know, even though Boston got a lot of open shots and all that stuff, you know, they're going to need a little luck anyway in, in this series. But I just, I like the way that they have defended more in these playoffs. I like the activity that Kevin Love has shown. He looks very active defensively. Obviously, Tristan Thompson, uh, extremely mobile, very good on his feet, can rebound. And then you have LeBron, who uh, will likely guard Kevin Durant, but can also be a, a, a really good help defender and 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 kind of roam and, and, and cause problems. But I also think on the flip side of that, you know, you have Curry, who 
is healthier this time around. But I do wonder, you know, the, 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 the Warriors have not played anybody like LeBron except for they played Kawhi Leonard in the conference finals for half a game. And the way that the Cavs can manipulate things and get Curry onto LeBron, I think it, 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 it is psychological. It is also fatiguing and could also potentially get him in foul trouble. And if you can get him in foul trouble, then things get a little bit more interesting. Sure, they have Kevin Durant, and they can just go to Kevin Durant running the offense. But that's that's that, those aren't the Warriors then. You know, that's not the same Warriors, in my opinion, especially when you're talking about facing this Cavs team. Worried about Andre Iguodala's health? I think that's a legitimate worry and a legitimate concern for the Warriors because he took a week off before that Spurs series, had a lot of time off before that series, didn't play in game one. So clearly, it, it to me, does, seems like there's something that's not right there. Um, I think my brain is telling me Warriors in five or six, and my eyes and my heart are telling me Cavs in six or seven. Uh, just because the spacing they have around LeBron now on those second units, they added more shooters. Iman Shumpert looks like he did in his rookie season during Linsanity, when you know people may not remember a lot uh, uh, of Iman Shumpert during Linsanity, unless you're a Knicks fan, but he was extremely active, a fantastic defender, and he's knocking down threes right now and looks as good as he has looked in a few years, in my opinion. So Shumpert being a factor... Uh, I, 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 is a big deal for me. The way Love has looked, Kyrie is healthy, as is Love. And, you know, they're going to play Richard Jefferson some, and I think what Shumpert can give them, and if J.R. Smith, uh, you know, can regain his form a little bit and, 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 and continue being the player that he was last year in the finals, I think this is going to be a great series. And I, I, I understand the desire to you know crown the Warriors already because we have never seen a team dominate in the playoffs quite like this but we've also never seen a team that has dominated in the playoffs like this facing an opponent like the way this Cavs team is playing right now and you know that Toronto sweep showed me a lot and sure Isaiah Thomas was banged up in the conference finals but they still absolutely destroyed them in a way that is you you have to respect that and I think and I do and so I think this is going to be a very competitive series I have a financial interest on the Cavs my brain is saying Warriors but I I, I do think that the I really think that the Cavs can win so I, I guess I'm just going to stop being a wimp about this I'm picking the Cavs I'm not going to pick how many games I'm picking the Cavs so uh that is my finals diatribe uh, I am really big on the Cavs right now, which probably means that by the time we talk on the next podcast, I will be eating crow for being so in on the Cavs, but I, I really believe in the Cavs. I believe the way that they have been playing is not just a product of the fact they've been playing in the East, and I, I just think that LeBron, with those shooters, 
and his ability to affect the game, control the pace of the game as well. Uh, I, I think sometimes that 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 gets lost. Not just LeBron, but also Tristan Thompson with his ability to get offensive boards, and maybe Kevin Love. You know, Kevin Love uh, was also concussed last year, and I think now is playing with even more confidence after that stop and everything that w- that happened in last year's final. So I'm I'm picking the Cavs, even though all the numbers say Warriors. I, I'm I'm going Cavs just because I, I think. Uh, yeah, that's what I've seen. It's just, it's. I think it's a lot closer than we realize. So that's going to do it for the finals talk. Hope you enjoy this very special draft discussion with my buddy Mike Weisenberg from NBADraft.net. Hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to a, this will go up on June 1. Thursday edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson, a writer at many places these days. And I am joined by my buddy, fellow Oregon grad and draft expert here on the Locked On Blazers podcast for us, Mike Weisenberg. What up? Are, are, you, hey, still in Los An- are you still in Los Angeles? I am in L.A., I am staying in LA for a little bit. Um, then I'm my brother is getting married in La Jolla, so I am here for at least the first two games of the finals. And uh, I just came from the Nike EYBL, and uh, yeah, it was it was a trip. It was a trip. Uh, it was my first time doing EYBL, and uh, that meant the first time with a lot of the parents and coaches, and and just you know you you have forty different teams here. And then you have a lot of people that are, you know, pushing for their their sons to to play high level, and it gets really heated. Yeah, you were, we were. I mean, this, so for the folks that may not know what EYBL is, could you explain oh, yes. what what that is? And I mean, I you're on you're one of the reasons I had you on. You're on the grind. You're seeing these guys at these yeah. camps, at these events, and you know you see them firsthand. So explain what EYBL is for the folks that may not know. Yeah, I sometimes don't even realize that you know EYBL is something that a lot of people haven't heard of. But it's the Nike Elite Youth Basketball League. It's basically an AAU league with. Uh, a bunch of the top high school players in the classes of 2018 and 2019, uh, a few 2020, even a 2021 kid named Zion Harmon, who, who looked pretty good. And um, they just play in this uh, league and they go to four different spots. And L.A. was the last spot. They went to Atlanta previously and Indiana before that. And then there's always Boo Williams in Virginia. And uh, yeah, so th- this weekend it, it was pretty crazy. They're playing to go to something called the peach jam, which is like their version of, uh, the finals. And, um, so, you know, only 16 teams get to go to that. So out of the 40 that were there and, uh, yeah, a lot of young talent. And this is where a lot of young talent that, uh, is going into the draft has already played last year. Actually, Michael Porter's, uh, Mocan elite team won the, the peach jam. And he's considered the possible favorite for uh, number one pick in 2018 draft. Markel Fultz played in it the year before. And um, th- there have been a lot of top players that have gone through and, and played in it. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's a lot going on. 
Jay-Z actually was there to uh, see his nephew. He was playing for uh, City Rocks. Uh, Russell Westbrook was in the building. Uh, since it was in L.A., you know, you had a lot of famous faces. And then a lot of uh, potential draftees. There was um, uh, Jason Tatum, uh, O.J. Ananobi, Darren De- Fox. Uh, Jordan Bell was there also. And, um, yeah, a lot of people were, were training at a place. It, it was in Thousand Oaks, California, at a place called uh, Sports Academy. And uh, I actually got to go and see uh, a few potential draftees train yesterday, which was really cool. Yeah, that that sounds awesome. Uh, what, what, could, you, could you tell us? Is that a secret? Is that a state secret? No, I, see, I, I, which which saw, guys did you see work out? I saw De'Aaron Fox. It was just like, you know, short workout. De'Aaron Fox actually was taking, uh, he was making 25 NBA threes from each spot. And he was usually around like about, I would say like 50 or 60%. Because, you know, they always show you in, in the highlight videos, the guy's just making all the threes. But, you know, he he was doing pretty well. Like, he, it was not as, as bad as one might think, considering that a lot of people complained about his long-range shooting. Uh, of course, when it came to like ball handling drills and stuff like that, you saw he can stop on a dime and accelerate really, really fast. Uh, Jonathan Motley was also one of the guys there. And he he's a guy that would possibly be in like that, you know, uh, 15 to 26 range. So, uh, when you're talking about the blazers and, uh, very long and they're working hard. Um, and, uh, yeah, there, there were a few other guys who, uh, Matt Jones had just come back from, uh, working with the Celtics, uh, Dominic Hawkins, uh, who was, uh, De'Aaron Fox's, uh, uh, Kentucky teammate was also there. And, uh, actually one of the NBA guys I got to see was, uh, Mario Hazonia. And when you're talking about a guy who like just does not miss when he's in a workout, uh, that's, that's the guy. Um, now has it translated to the NBA? Not yet, but you know, he's, he's working on it. So we'll, we'll see. I I think not to get too caught up on Mario Hazonia for a draft pod about 2017 draft, but I feel like Orlando, like, I just think that situation like could not have been a worse situation for someone like that. It like, certainly it, seems so. It certainly seems so because it, it, the surprising part is that they like desperately need shooting and you you just kind of wonder why that hasn't worked out so far. Yeah, weird. But anyway, you're on the you're on the trail, you're seeing these guys, you just you're just down there for a big, you know, big event uh in the basketball community and obviously the Blazers have three first round picks uh in this draft. This is they didn't have a draft pick last year, uh, and obviously after the season that happened, it's clear that they still need some help. Now, I think the big question before we go into talking about individual picks, I think that we should talk about is, you know, should they trade their pick, package their pick with one of their bigger salary guys and see if they can just use that to sweeten the deal or perhaps, you know, they attach it with a more desirable person. Maybe they move up. I'm not sure, you know, the, the, I'm, I'm trying to think of things that they should do, but obviously the big question is, you know, looking at their tax bill, looking at the salaries they have, you know, should they get rid of one of their picks or more just to move guys to create salary cap? And I don't, I guess, uh, where do you stand on that, on, on that for the Blazers specifically? 
Well, I, I think they they have so much flexibility with uh, these three picks. And um, I, I think, you know, a couple of them, they got in really kind of sweet trades. Um, and I, I, I'm kind of for them. If they, if they have a chance to, to take some money off the books and maybe even like, you know, have a trade exception or something like that, um, I, I'd be all for it. I, and, you know, again, you, you, as sweet as having the three first round deals, uh, can be, uh, it sometimes can be even a bit of a burden if, if you're having a tough time, you know, training the guy, the guy doesn't live up to, to snuff. And, and, you know, if you get picks like 20, 26, you're not always guaranteed you're going to have a guy that's going to help. So, you know, it's, it's a risk. And if they have a chance to get somebody that, that, you know, is at least possibly like a rotation guy, or maybe even like a solid bench guy and then load a contract and they have to sacrifice like the 26th or 20th pick, I think they should probably roll the dice. All right. Yeah, because uh, they need guys that can help. They spent a ton of money, and they need a way to add fresh talent and kind of revamp their talent pool a little bit, I think. I mean, their mm-hmm. team. The, the weird thing, too, is that like when we're talking about this and like the way I just said that, it makes it sound like this team is going to age out. And they're going to be like mm-hmm. old, but they're they're like a really young team. So it's just kind of weird to talk about them that way. But I feel like they do kind of need that other talent to see, you know, maybe if they get a wild card. But then there's the financial thing. I think they should definitely trade one of the picks. I think it'd be interesting to see what they could do in a scenario where like, I mean, I like Alan Crabb a lot. And I know he's injured, but like he is a career 41 percent three point shooter and that you know, skills not going anywhere. And I just did like, I just recently did the pod about the bench wings. And I really mm-hmm. feel like Evan Turner being there kind of cramped his style a little bit. Cause like he hit those like mid range pin downs and like a lot of things in spaces that Turner was occupying a lot of the time. And so I don't know. What do you think about the guys up top? Do you, I mean, this is just totally – we're just speculating here. But do you think yeah. like, crab, like crab and 15 could like move them up? I – again, it, it, the contract would be so much to take on that I, I, I'm not sure if that would be the case. You know, like you have a team – and the other funny part is like I, I guess, you know, it, you just have Boston that's kind of like, you know, that good team that, that's up there. But like, you know, if a team like Brooklyn or, or somebody was up there that, that needed a guy like that – it's it, surely it's, it's like semi appealing, but I, I just feel like that would be way too much to, to take on. And I, I just wonder how much that would really move them up as well. Now, if you see somebody that you really want, like, you know, if you see somebody who you feel kind of puts in a need and you can get nine or 10, then that's worth a gamble. But again, I'm not completely sure who's going to be there. That that's going to, necessarily give you that impact right away. Uh, so, you know, you might take a step back, even though you're, you're trying to do something that that's going to help you in the future. Very, very good points. Uh, so I guess we, for the rest of the podcast, I think we should, for the purposes of discussing the draft, I think we should just, just discuss the picks in the, with the prism that they're going to keep the picks like that. Mm-hmm. If they were to keep 15, 20, 26, who do you think they should look at and who do you think they should add? And you could tell us about some of the guys right now. 
um, I would think like, um, to me, possibly looking for like a backup center, somebody like that, the, the bigs in this draft are, are kind of, uh, you know, they're not thought of incredibly highly. Um, but th- there's some like decent value there from like the 15 to 20 range. And in some guys who, who could definitely slip there, I, I would think one guy would be like, you know, like a Jarrett Allen who, um, was kind of started off rough at Texas, but it, it seemed to get better as the year went on. Um, very long, um, you know, has some semblance of, of a rim protection and, uh, you know, just, um, there were, there were a couple games where you, you looked at him and you said, you know, you could see him going further. So, you know, possibly somebody to back up Yusuf, um, wings are, are going to be a little tough. Like it, Justin Jackson could be another guy who you look at. He was the lean scorer on the national champion, uh, North Carolina tire tar heels, um, played some surprisingly good defense on guys like Malik Monk and, you know, just showed an ability on the perimeter. He doesn't have very high like steel or, or block percentages. And he was greatly improved as a shooter, which you never know if that's necessarily going to translate to the NBA right away. But, you know, it's something he could possibly build on. Um, another guy I've thought possibly is, is John Collins, who I've heard um, during like practices at Wake Forest and everything, was actually shooting pretty well. Um, didn't necessarily bring that to the game and never really stretched to, to three point range consistently, but he was super efficient this year, season at Wake Forest. And, um, you know, could be one of those guys who possibly is like a, a small five that n- not necessarily in great portions of the game, but like, you know, kind of like what they were doing with Noah, except maybe even like, uh, greater competency, maybe like a, a bit higher kind of, uh, um, you know, with the, the efficiency thing with Noah is what you're kind of aiming for at this point. And then, you know, maybe having a guy like Collins to challenge that as well would be uh, pretty interesting. And, yeah, you know, uh, I, I've, I've never yeah. really heard a lot about John Collins. Yeah. That, that, that that's, that's a uh, good, and then anybody else maybe in that. So you're thinking more, uh, backup big in that range right now. What, what do you think? Uh, of I've seen a lot of different mocks, and you know, there's there's a lot of guys in that spot. You know, there's Bam from Kentucky, uh, mm-hmm. Adebayo. What what do you think yeah. about him? Is do you think he would kind of fit that mold of like maybe a center? And then you know, later even back at, further in the draft, you have guys like uh, Anigobogu, uh mm-hmm. from from UCLA, and yeah. also you know, and then another one who's like I think more of like a wild card would be like a guy like Caleb Swanigan. Yeah. 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 I think all of those guys are definite possibilities. Um, with Bam Adebayo, great athlete, uh, but more like great, like jump athlete, he, like, you know, he, and incredible frame. So one of the stronger guys in the draft, uh, along actually all those guys are incredibly strong. Um, but yeah, with, with, uh, Bam, he's, one of the better jump athletes, not incredible laterally, but still like, you know, has enough speed to possibly like, you know, switch over on pick and roll at times. Um, limited in his skill set, like, you know, you don't really trust his shot or anything like that, but could he provide some energy minutes as a, as a possible backup five? That's what you're hoping if you're drafting him. Uh, I think Bogu 
just greater size. That guy is he he's going to be one of the youngest guys in the draft. He he's um has a very late birthday in uh ninety-eight. And um so he's like a full year younger than um Bam Adebayo. But um he is just like he's really raw. But what you saw like in UCLA Kentucky games, he, he, in that first game, at least he gave them a huge matchup issue and was great as a rim protector. And you know, that's kind of what you get out of him. And he'd be a guy who you probably would wait, like, you know, he'd be somebody you send down to the D league for a bit and it takes a little process to, to get ready, but he could be a huge payoff because he could be that really good defensive and rebounding backup center. Um, and then the last guy is Biggie and Biggie Swanigan was one of the better players in college basketball this year. And at times was just like a dominant offensive force. He's maybe like at the most six foot eight or like you could possibly pinch him up to six foot nine, but he has a huge wingspan, I think somewhere in the seven, three range and just seems to really know the game has incredibly soft touch can stretch out a bit. You worry about him defensively because he he's pretty slow of foot, but he could be one of those guys who's just so has such a high basketball IQ and acumen that you could see being a, a possibility at that 26 pick. And, you know, he, he's somebody who could, who could definitely surpass where he, he's listed right now. As far as uh, draft stock, I'm not calling him, the next Draymond Green. I know that that's yeah. a really stupid yeah, yeah. thing to do, but yeah. his profile a little bit there, does, remi- does does remind of Draymond a little bit in the sense that yeah. he has a very high basketball IQ. You know, uh, looked at positionally like questionably, but clearly mm. like to me, I was really impressed by because I saw him at Hoop Summit. Like when, you know, when you were there with me, yeah. like that year when he was at Hoops yeah, when yeah. he was in high school before he committed to Purdue. And I think he was a Michigan State commit at the time. Yeah, he was. He was. And I didn't really like what, you know, he had those long arms, but I didn't really like like what he was doing. And then I watched him in college and I was like, ah. And then this year, you know, I, you know, I think the thing that happened with him was, you know, he went to the combine and they were like, hey, you're pretty far away. Went back to school. And that he like had hit that reality check and then was like, okay, here's the wall that I'm at right now. And he broke through it. Like to me, that does say a lot about him. And I wouldn't be mad if, if at 26, if Portland still has that pick, if he's around that they look at him because I mean, I think he could be a guy that like surpasses, you know, he doesn't really do what, you know, a lot of teams are doing now, which they say, you know, switch Billy, all that stuff. But like, if he gets to the league, who's to say he can't get in better shape and maybe get a little bit quicker. Like that, you know, you can work on those things. I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think he can improve that a little bit? I mean, when you on the quickness spot basically is basically what yeah, I'm asking. Like, I, I think he's just his transformation. Cause when he was like a sophomore in high school and was first kind of like on the scene, uh, he was like darn near 300 pounds. Like, and like the, the weight loss transformation that he went through, even when, when he was at that hoop summit, I I thought he looked pretty good compared to what he had been before. And then I think he just keeps getting better in the NBA guys tend to get a lot better. 
And, uh, you know, that that is certainly a possibility. And plus, the, the thing that, you know, the Draymond Green comparison is probably more because you, you saw like one thing I saw is when he had to guard like uh, Deontay Burton in the Iowa State game. Deontay Burton is a, an explosive jump athlete, but not necessarily the quickest runner, but was getting right by him. And, you know, it was partially them having him in that situation to begin with. But he like it's hard to see him being Draymond defensively, but offensively he does a lot of similar things and he's a great passer. And that, that was something he really brought to the table this year. And uh, yeah, that, that's why I, I think that it would be worth the, worth the risk. And like, you know, and he's probably better off. You he's... can't take him at, at, at like possibly being a playing some backup five minutes or something like that too. Would I don't I mean at least from what I remember about Draymond in college he's definitely a better scorer than oh, than, yeah. Dra- than yeah. Draymond was cuz like yeah. Draymond, oh, it, Draymond it, close to the basket too he he's like just has a fantastic touch and then he carves out a lot of space whereas Draymond was always that guy who like you know had the ball in his hands and like yes. even when he he was bigger like you know he just had those ball skills and he and he had that yeah he he was never necessarily a guy that was going to like you know take you to the to the basket like Biggie did so often. Yeah, no, I, Swanigan's a guy that I'm intrigued by. A, another guy I'm intrigued by because, you know, sometimes these, you know, we see it happen a lot of times. Guys are like ranked a little highly, then they have a couple injuries down year, whatever. And he's in Portland's range, according to the NBA draft.net's mock right now is Harry Giles. What do <clears> you, what do you think about Harry Giles? Cause to me, you know, he seems like a guy that, you know, has had, you know, had a lot of rough times recently. But, like, I guess is the worry there that he's had so many surgeries already that, like, he's just not the same player? Or, you know, what do you think about his outlook uh, as a player? Because if he was healthy, you know, he's the type of guy that, like, can be versatile, 6'10", you know, in theory, but what, I mean, what do you think about Giles's outlook now? Well, I had two chances, two possibilities of seeing him play, uh, in, um, last year and one, he had hurt himself on Oak Hill. And then the other, he came for the hoop summit and he was still hurt and hadn't played yet. He, when he came for the hoop summit, his frame just compared to the other big men there was like incredible. And, you know, you, I remember watching him like in 17s and everything like that. And just, you know, you kind of thought this was going to be a guy who would just physically dominate and uh, great rebounder. Um, and then the athletic ability too. like, he has like everything you want in a, he had everything you wanted in a power forward prospect. And then, you know, kind of the, the outlook on things have changed a little bit of what you want then people are kind of like, well, you know, he still has like general close to center size as well. Um, but yeah, he's, he's really intriguing. He, there were times where you saw flashes when he was a Duke and you were like, Oh my God, like, you know, this guy's pretty good. Like his per minute numbers, I don't think were too bad. Very limited as far as like just ways to score. He, his, And then when it came to defense, he was at times like just completely lost. And then there were definitely at times at Duke where you're like, he should not be playing and like he shouldn't be back yet. Um, 
And then you hear even more about, you know, possible knee problems. You, you heard like I there were rumors that it might be like a persisting thing. But if everything medically checks out with Harry Giles, he, I think he's worth the risk. I think he's worth taking a flyer on or like at like 20 or 26. Not sure about 15, but I think that he's at least worth somebody to look at and just was a guy who had so much going for him. And I think he's still like, there's still a chance that he has a little bit more going for him as well. And there's still a chance that he could end up being like a strong big man, like even like a rotation big. And that's who you want when you're looking at at a pick in that range anyway. So, you know, that, that's why I I think he, he's another guy who I agree would be a, a, definite possibility there with uh there's uh the poor we talked about the issues facing the blazers with regards to the salary cap and a lot of that cap is tied up at the wing mm. we've talked a lot about backup bigs we've talked a lot about the bigs but you know they do have no Vonley behind nurkic or alongside nurkic whichever way they want to play if they want to go small they can uh, you know, they still have Myers Leonard under contract, you know, w- however you feel about him, he's under contract, but I think they do need a backup wing this, they need a wing this year, whether it's, it's in the draft, drafting a rookie or looking for, uh, and I almost think they may need another wing even more than they may need a big man because, CJ, you know, they have Harkless and Aminu. They both complement Dame and CJ really well. But then you have all this money tied into Crab and Turner. And both of them do I, I, both of them do things that help them, but they don't do them at one position. And I feel like that hurts. I mean, is there a guy that you see that could be a potential 3 and D guy that can help the Blazers defensively maybe? And then also, on the other end, knock down a shot and be able to I mean, obviously, that's asking a lot. There's not a lot of those guys. But what what guys do you think in Portland's range on the wing do you think are guys that they should you know take a serious look at? Because we've heard there there have been some draft workout you know report reports already. Uh, Dylan Brooks, who you know, and then Sidarius Thornwell is another guy that has gotten, mm-hmm. but. But those are guys that I think we know. You know, we saw them go pretty far in the NCAA tournament for most people. So maybe, who are some other guys that maybe not those guys that aren't already on our radar that maybe you that you think Portland should look at in that range for the wings? I, I think you make an excellent point, and I completely agree that they need some major help at the wing, and they at least need some depth, even like at that combo forward spot. And like they they need some hope for the future there. Because it's not going to be like that forever. But right now, you know, if if there's a possibility of taking a guy, like you said, like a three and D kind of guy, that would be really big for them. Um, I we have on our NBA draft.net mock right now, there are a couple guys who we have in the second round who I think are going to go in the first round. Um, one of those guys is OG Ananobi, and he is just from wing size perspective, like he, he's uh, about six foot seven, but he has a seven, two and a half wingspan. There were rumors of seven, six, but it, it turned out not to be so, but nonetheless, great length. He 
is very like nimble on the perimeter and like, you know, just kind of stood out when, uh, Kentucky played uh, Indiana like the year previous and he was guarding Jamal Murray and shut down Jamal Murray. And then this year, you know, they would just bring him out at times and he would cover the best player. So he has like legit power forward size he's very limited offensively. He's still not like a sure thing. The three thing is not a sure thing, but he, he has some of that ability uh, from, you know, just as a spot up shooter, but the, pro- the problem with OG, if anything, that might cause him to slip is that he tore his ACL. Uh, but I did see him out here, and it didn't look like he was in, like, a boot or anything like that. So uh, hopefully, you know, he's kind of getting back to things. Um, but he, he'll be a guy that could be in that 15 range, uh, 15 to 20. Like, that that's where he's projected right now. Uh, a guy for the later pick, if, you know, if OG is already taken or, or – there are still concerns about him with injury is uh, I saw somebody mention uh, they were wondering about Shemi Ojale. I think he really helped himself uh, in the NBA draft combine. I think he also, of course he had a fantastic year and from like a synergy perspective, like with everything on offense, he was very good. He was hitting, you know, three point shot at like uh, over 40% clip. Um, very explosive off of two feet. I yeah. loved him in that USC game, the USC SMU game. I was yeah, like, yeah, who yeah. is this guy and how can he get on the Blazers? Because, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, I, because I was like, he's out here protecting the rim, grabbing boards, shooting threes like this guy. I mean, so do you think he projects more as a wing in the in the NBA? I think he's a, like he's a three, four. Um, I'm still not completely sold on his ability to defend the wing, but he, it's a possibility. But yeah, he, he probably due to size limitations and everything like that, but he has a grown man's body. Like he measured at like 240 with like 5% body fat. Um, I, I got bench press numbers, um, which I know a lot of people kind of discount now and the NBA like doesn't even release them, but yeah, Ke- somehow, yeah, Kevin, Kevin they came into my possession Yeah, and he had 19 uh, lifts of 185, which was three more than the next guy. So like, yo, yeah, this guy is strong and, you know, so you could see him and like nowadays guys who are playing the three who, who have that kind of strength and everything like they, they can slide to the four and e- even with his, his size limitations and everything there, there, there are just, there will be times where you could possibly have him in a, in a smaller lineup. Like where it's, I know some people see Dylan Brooks, the Dylan Brooks played best as a four. He was a huge matchup nightmare as a, a four. I feel like post play is kind of something that teams are moving away from because it's always one-on-one and you want guys who are cutting to the basket. You want one on zero. And th- that's what the stretch four, who like the smaller stretch four and small ball gives you is those matchup problems, those cuts, the, those things that, you know, give you the advantage over like the slower, bigger player. And uh, Shemi kind of fits into that. So yeah, I, I think he's a guy who really helped his draft stock. And uh, it was kind of amazing because he, he was a transfer from Duke. He's a little bit older. I think he's like around 23, but you know, he, he had a great year and then I, I think uh, just kind of proved that he's one of the more intriguing like wing prospects outside of that top group. 
you know, when you mentioned the fact that he could maybe play wing and slide down to four a little bit, you know, the the name that popped into my head was PJ Tucker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you know that that was kind of his how he what who he was in college. Like PJ Tucker yeah, yeah, was yeah. A, like a was like a oh he power was an undersized four yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, he's found a place in the league and, you know, there are going to be a lot of times where you're going to need a a wing who's bigger, stronger. And if he can shoot that way in the pros and play a little four, I mean, that that that's a guy that could really help you, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. And may, maybe uh, other than than Ojeley. You know, maybe what are, who are some other guys, you know, either a three, four combo or maybe, a you know, just a, a guy that can play on the wing um, that that could fill a spot for them. Oh, gosh. Yeah. that Now I'm digging really deep. I, I know that. Well, I, again, it, like, it, well, OK, here's a possibility. And uh, I don't necessarily love this guy as a prospect. And he's kind of like a bit of an unknown at this point since he he went overseas. But Terrence Ferguson, who's a name that you'll remember. Yes, I know. Um, I love me some Terrence Ferguson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the last time we saw Terrence Ferguson live, that guy put on one of the more interesting three-point shows uh, in Hoop Summit history where he had the six three-pointers in like three minutes. And, uh, but he, again, he like kind of fits the three and D mold. Now the, the issue with Terrence Ferguson too, one doesn't get to the free throw line. So that's a little scary. His, his ball handling, not very good, not much of a distributor. Um, very athletic on a running start, like off of jumping off of one foot, but not necessarily like the best athlete when he's at a standstill. Um, but he just fits like that three and D mold. Like you just see him and you're like, oh, that guy can be like, you know, a two, three kind of player down the line. He, he obviously takes some time it, and it's tough to play in the pros. So the, the issue is like you don't really know how guys in Australia uh, who just came there when they were 18 translate statistically and everything um, didn't shoot really well when he was over there either. So you, you kind of worry about that, like, but, you know, you've seen him shoot before and <laughs> the guy yeah. has range. The guy has some serious range. Um, it, it'll just be about efficiency. That, that's what you're looking for. But he, he's a guy that you could maybe take a flyer on. And like, you know, I, I know he's not going to help you right away, but he's a guy that has some definite potential. And uh, like, you know, just he can finish lobs like that's for sure. It's just like him having that open path to the basket is going to be tough. Um, but yeah, he's, he's another guy who you could possibly see being that late first round pick. Uh, one, th- this isn't a, a wing player. Uh, one, I guess one last question. I'm just curious. There, the Blazers are going to work out Ivan, Ivan Rob. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and he's, uh, I know that he is also like, he's like childhood friends with Damian Lillard. Uh, okay. they, ha- they have the same, they have the same agent. 
So, you know, obviously me, you know, knowing how these things work, I'm like, okay, so maybe there's something there because, you know, Neil Olshay is the, is the president of basketball operations. Dame is the best player. Good way to keep your job is keep best player happy. Uh, and, and it, it's clear that Dame likes this guy. What do you think about him projecting to the pros and, and what he can bring to the table if Portland, you know, picks him with one of their picks? Uh, because it looks like he's going to be in that range. Yeah, it, I think he could be like a I, – I would probably lean more 26, but like, you know, there, there's a possibility of 22. He's – from an athleticism perspective, like, you know, he just he, – he has these tiny little steps that he takes and everything. But he, he's always been productive. And I, I remember watching him in high school and he, he went up against – uh, Bishop Gorman a couple times and uh, they used to have they, they had uh, Zach Collins at the time he didn't play very much but they had Steven Zimmerman and Chase Jeter who eventually Steven Zimmerman became a second round pick of the Orlando Magic Chase Jeter's kind of had a tough time in college but they were both like top rated high school guys and Ivan just obliterated them um now, he had a tough time playing Oregon a couple of times this year when they kind of had the smaller lineups, uh, had a tough time keeping track. But he, I, I feel he projects as a five. Um, he's tried to stretch his game out a little bit. And I like he's he has some skill to him. He, it's not like he's completely lost on offense, but again, kind of limited and, and not really like a guy you trust stretching past like, you know, three point range or anything like that. But he, he can, he can maybe hit like the mid range jumper. Um, yeah. You worry about him a bit as like a, you know, rim protector or, or, or something like that, but it, and then he's not incredibly strong and I, I, it's kind of worries me a little bit that he hasn't gotten much stronger. Uh, he, he measured in at around like two twenty or so. Um, but he's, it, you know, it seems like he works. And it, it seems like he did work on his game this year. He, he did get better in that one year. I wonder if he like almost cost himself like some draft position by coming back to Cal. But um, he, he's he's a guy that I, you know, I, yeah, I could see there, and and I could see being like a he, he does he rebounds. That, that that's been a big thing for him. He rebounds, and uh, you know, if he can show a little competency on defense, then you could see him being like that backup five possibility. Very good stuff. Uh, I think should we go to the questions now uh, that we got? Sounds we got good to me. All right. Um, well, we, we already talked about semi. Uh, so shout out to Chris Davis at Kristen Dion uh, on Twitter for sending us the semi question. I guess the we didn't answer. Does he stay in the late first round? Do you think he slips to the second round? I think he stays in the late first round. Like at this point, it's looking that way. I, I think he really helped himself. And, you know, I think the late first round at this point doesn't necessarily have too many guys that are plugged in. Then there's always a possibility that somebody slips to the second round. Last year, Deontay Davis was a guy that a lot of people thought was kind of a first round lock and he ended up going second round. But um, I, I think Shemi probably finds his way at the end of the first round. All right. Um, we got uh, a, a pair of questions from my buddy uh, Thomas Kyle Millward. Uh, a, what are the chances the Lakers go in a different direction than Ball? And B, what do the Celtics do at number one? Do they trade the pick or do they draft Markel Fultz? 
I think I have pretty simple answers to both of those questions. And my first belief is I think it's very slim chances that the Lakers go away from Lonzo Ball. I think LeVar Ball factors in like almost nothing into this decision. And I, I just it it looks like it's just a match kind of made in heaven. I think Magic probably like sees glimpses of himself. And uh you know, Lonzo's a pretty special prospect. I from the time first time I saw him, I, I he was one of the better like high school players I saw. And um yeah, I, I just think he fits in well there and they end up choosing him. Um I, I might look at Josh Jackson. Personally, like on my personal board, I I might even have Josh ahead of Lonzo, but I think he goes there. And then with the Celtics, I think they absolutely take Markel Fultz. And my reasoning behind that is unless you're trading for somebody who you can see is a star you build around, it's really hard to – pass up on a guy like Fultz who possibly could move into that position who has like all of those tools. So I, you see the best team, the team's winning championships are built around these like fantastic players. And if you feel that Fultz has a chance to become that fantastic player and you want to trade for Paul George or Jimmy Butler, I'm just not sure that they even get you past that point. So that that's kind of my thought on the whole Lavar or uh, the whole Markel Fultz trade scenario. Uh, I think I think you just roll the you have to roll with them. I have a question now that we talked yes, about Lonzo for a minute because it feels like there's a lot of uh, Fox buzz right now that Fox is a better prospect that Lonzo. You know he had that game against him where he performed mm-hmm. very well. Um, where do you stand on like the Fox Lonzo debate? Uh, because it feels like there's been a lot of picking apart of Lonzo, you know, his handle's not that good. He has a slow first step, you know, all this stuff. Um, what do you think on that? uh, Like in, if you were to make a call, I guess, like, where would you go on that end? I uh, absolutely Lonzo. And my, my reason is this, I, I, the best point guards in the NBA right now, you know, you could say Russ, you could say John Wall. If you feel that De'Aaron Fox is uh, is on that guy's level, he needs another like 20, 30 pounds, I feel. But he, he obviously super quick, super athletic guy, defensive potential. Lonzo just reads the game at that different level. And the passing, I think, is is incredible. Fox, you know, is a, is a good passer. Lonzo's a phenomenal passer. And then he shot the ball really well from long range. Now, you worry about mid-range and everything like that. Well, Fox didn't shoot the ball well from long or mid-range. So that that's one thing right there. Now, you could say he's better at driving to the basket. Absolutely he is. But I feel like I, I know a lot of people don't feel his strength is going to, to play into that. And he, he did such a good job of finishing regardless um, but I, I feel it's going to be more of an issue than you think. I feel people are going to play off of him and I'm not sure if he's going to make them pay on a consistent basis. And that, that may take some time. I feel Lonzo, you plug him in and he can, he's really versatile. He, he had a, you know, the low usage percentage is something that maybe like is a little scary as, as far as being like a, you know, a primary offensive player, but I, you can just plug and play him in so many different scenarios and the shooting, it was 
it was a high sample size. He didn't shoot incredibly well from the free throw line, but man, the guy just drains NBA threes. And like, you know, I, I, you say he needs space for a shot. Well, the guy shoots from like 25 feet back with no real issues. I, I, I just don't see that being a huge issue with him. And, um, yeah, I, I, he's six foot six. He has a six, nine wingspan. I, I have data on that. And, uh, I know a lot of people don't think he's that long because of the old USA, uh, measurements, but yeah, he's, he's longer than you think. And, um, he's, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that the Lakers are making a, a fine decision if they take him second. I am, I, you know, I haven't seen Lonzo as much as you or studied it as much, but yeah, you know, and I don't, I didn't watch that much college basketball this year, but I did, you know, I watched both of the UCLA Kentucky games mm-hmm. and the first one on the road, like it was my first time watching Lonzo yeah, yeah, and it, and it just grabs you from the screen. Like this guy's playing like a, he's playing a different game than everybody else. Yeah. And, and he so, didn't play like, well in that first game either. Like no, he, he, that first half, he was bad, but he just did like a few things. Like he had a few passes that were pretty nice, you know, yeah, and then and even, in the second half, you know, he made, he made some of those shots. Well, even the, and the game he played against Oregon at Oregon that Dylan yeah. Brooks hit the game winner on, yeah, yeah. he didn't even really shoot really well in the second half. UCLA made a big comeback. Yeah. But it was, but it was the yeah. way it, it's the way the defense reacts, even when he misses that yeah. like is attractive to me as someone who, you know, just is analyzing these guys that there's something about him that I like. And I think that, you know, the, the Fox, the second game too reminds me a little bit of pre-draft how I felt about Kevin Love because Kevin Mm -hmm. Love had that awful final four game against Memphis. Like he looked terrible. He looked unathletic, looked like a guy that wasn't going to be. And I feel like we're saying the same things about Lonzo right now. Like he looked slow. Fox was too athletic for him, et cetera, et cetera. And I just think Lonzo is good. He's going to be good no matter what. Yeah. And there's there's so much like, again, going with your Kevin Love comparison, because like Kevin Love was a guy that I think we were both really familiar with as like Oregonians. Uh, I got to see him play every year in the state tournament in high school. Um, a guy who could do so much on the floor and that's like, so even if he's not hitting shots, like even you saw him last year, uh, in game seven, he hadn't had a good series in game seven, he rebounds and even like, you know, the little defensive stuff that he did, like, you know, people say that, Oh, it's overrated. Like, you know, the switch on staff and, and stuff like that. But he, like Lonzo has that same kind of mentality, like the, the game against UCLA was when, when he like got them back over and then he, uh, he hit that incredible shot and he was guarding Dylan Brooks too and doing a wonderful job. Like, and just Lonzo's a guy who who's going to, even if he's not scoring, there are ways he's going to help your team that I don't really see with too many other players out there. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm on team Lonzo with you. I, 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 I like De'Aaron Fox a lot. Uh, I just, mm-hmm. and I, I watched him in the tournament really liked his game. I just don't think he's yeah, a better yeah, yeah. NBA prospect than Lonzo. I think. And so, um, I guess this will lead us into, uh, we have two more questions. Uh, we'll go with, uh, the one that's not blazer specific first and the one that's blazer specific last, okay. um, from, uh, Robert Flom at rich homie Flom. 
<laughs> most underrated and overrated prospect. So who's the most underrated prospect and who's the most overrated prospect? Yeah, I did. I, and, and nothing against Rich Homie Flom. I, for one, I love the name. But I, like, to me, overrated and underrated are just, like, a, a thing for me where, I like, if you're making the ratings, I, I just don't really get it. And now, like, by the general consensus, who's overrated and underrated? Um, I don't know. I, like, right now I'm feeling, like, if people are saying that Jordan Bell is, like, a second-round prospect, I and call me a homer for saying this. He's, I, I feel he's shown so much and like there, there are things that that guy can do that plug into the NBA and like a, a big man position. And it, like, if you have like, like even if, if Minnesota somehow like traded down to get like a, you know, like a second round pick or so, or a, a, a late first round pick, I, he'd be really interesting right next to like Carl Anthony Towns or like somebody like that, or even like, you know, next to like Joel Embiid. If you have a, a center that can like possibly stretch the floor, even like possibly with Kristaps. And, and honestly, I, I think maybe even on the Blazers as well. I was about to say, we didn't uh, even talk about yeah. him for Portland. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was funny. So uh, my brother and I actually saw Jordan Bell at uh, EYBL and we're talking to him and he worked out for the Lakers yesterday was working out for the Kings today. And then he said he hadn't set anything up with the Blazers yet and was totally interested. Now, I don't know if that, that's necessarily true yet, but I think the Blazers should, oh my God, like a 26? Take Jordan it Bell. Could be, this is just me, and I don't know what their scouting schedule was like during the season, but maybe it could be that they were so close to Eugene that they probably have seen quite a bit of him in person. Now, but bring him in. The, but they, Talk but, to the yeah, guy. if you if you have interest <laughs> in a guy, you should bring him in. Yeah, so that yeah, is yeah. uh kind of weird. Um but uh yeah, so good note, a little breaking news here. Yeah, uh, it, it it was cool that ran into him. Great guy. Uh Joseph Young was also there. Just throwing that out. Yeah. And former Duck Jonathan Lloyd. Um so oh, there, yeah. there was there was some Oregon love in the building. Um, yes. Another guy I feel like at least like I don't know we kind of have him underrated is uh, Josh Hart. I think Josh Hart was always like that. He was always solid at Villanova from the very start. But you know, leading scorer on that championship team, and you can say you know it was a team full of just like really good college players. But I think Josh Hart's more than that. I, I think he's shown some ability to, to handle the ball. Um, he does rely a lot on just like his physical gifts in college and, and everything like that. But he, he really improved his spot up shooter. So, you know, he's another guy I really like. Who's uh, overrated? Overrated. That's always tough. I, I Here's a guy like I, I like guess. Relative to I general have, consensus. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, a guy I feel like who's kind of like moving up draft boards. I know – played really well in the ABA Liga is uh, Jonah Bolden. And he was a guy that just when he was in college, I just really, he never really seemed to get it. And I, I never really seemed to get him. Um, he's a decent size for a power forward. And, you know, like I, I don't want to throw him over the bus and, and maybe I, I need to watch a little bit more on him. Uh, but, you know, I, I saw like, you know, some things from when he was playing, um, over in, uh, I think Serbia, I guess. And he just, 
I, I don't know. I'm just I'm not completely sold on him. And uh, I just think that, that the people calling for him to be a first round picker are going a little bit overboard. All right. Um, well, uh, I think that – oh, there we got one more question and then this yeah. will wrap it up. Um, if Port- I think we kind of touched on this, but maybe we can just re uh, – if Portland was packaging 15 and 20, how high could that realistically get them? And is there someone there worth giving up 20 and 15? That is from at JD Winters 81. Um, that's a really good question. I – 15 and 20. So it was 15 and 20? Yeah, so it was 15 and okay. 20. Where could that get them? I'm guessing at the best it would probably be around like eight, possibly. But I, I couldn't see New York really doing that. Nah, New York needs a pick. But yeah, exactly. Exactly. New York needs a pick. Now, the top eight seems to be like kind of like a general consensus right now. Like with, you know, you got, we have like Fultz, Ball, Jackson, Fox, Tatum, Isaac, Smith, Monk. I think those are all guys who look like, you know, they at least have a chance to come in and play right away. Now, if you have a chance to get a guy like, you know, even, even like Dennis Smith or like air, even like Jonathan Isaac would be a great fit for the Blazers. Oh, and well, like, yeah, I mean, that's boss. like, yeah, I mean, Jonathan so, yeah, Isaac, that, <laughs> Jonathan Isaac is like the player that we're talking about for like the guy that could like play yeah, that three, four position, exactly. one position, let exactly. guys move on. Like, obviously that's ideal. So yeah, maybe if they can move cool. up to get a guy like that. But um, yeah, oh, absolutely. I, yeah. So, and, and again, like, you know, Dallas seems to have, uh, it, I, I've heard Dallas is rumored to kind of be really interested in, uh, Frank Milikina, the, mm-hmm. uh, French point guard, but he, he wasn't even playing very much over there. And, uh, you know, he's got like that amazing wingspan and everything like that. But do the Blazers need like a a point guard when they have like a guy like Dame CJ and even like, you know, if you bring back like Napier or something like that, I I don't know. But yeah, I have one last question because it's a guy that you and I have talked about a lot offline and -hmm. a guy that I feel like is becoming a little divisive is uh, Lowry Markkinen because I feel like the knock on him is that he's just a shooter, doesn't really do a whole lot else. You know, what can you tell us about his game? Is that a a legit concern? Because, you know, I've I've seen, you know, I've seen comparisons to a lot of players. Uh, What do you think, you know, he projects as in the pros? Obviously, he's probably going to go in the the lottery, but it seems like there's a little bit of like a – a Lowry backlash that's happening. So what do yeah. you think about his projections in the pros? I'm kind of the Lowry backlash guy. I, I got to see him. It seemed like every game I watched him, people just would body him and he would have a really tough time doing much. Now he played like a great, uh, second game against, or he had, yeah, yeah. Fantastic game against Arizona. I remember he's an amazing shooter. So that, that's like one thing where you're like, okay, this guy can do this really, really well, but the defense and the, and the rebounding and, and all of that other stuff, like the, the stuff I want my big guy to do, I don't think he does that very well. And that really worries me. So I wouldn't necessarily trade up to, to take a stab at Larry Markkinen. Uh, but you know, I, I'm kind of feel like I'm, I'm a majority of people kind of feel like he can develop a little bit. He's not the worst athlete. I don't think he's great laterally. And I, I think 
defense, I, I am legitimately worried about him. Plus he didn't show very much vision at all. And like, I didn't think he was a very good passer, but the, he shot so well that like, you know, people think that he could just be like that offensive spacer as a four, that would be such an issue that, and you know, if you're playing him next to a defensive five, like if you're playing him next to like a Rudy Gobert or somebody like that, then, you know, maybe this guy could just go to town. Um, and so then that's, but my feeling like on the blazers, I, I, I'm a little worried about him. Uh, like, yeah, he and Yusuf as a defensive front court, I, I don't see working out very well. Yeah, if he's not great laterally at the four, I don't feel like that's going to be much help for Portland. Even as great as a yeah. shooter as he is, obviously, you know, that, that's a skill. Yeah, and yeah. That'll, keep him, that'll keep him employed in the league. But yeah, yeah. Um, any uh, parting uh, draft thoughts before we wrap this up? Yeah, I was, well, we were talking about before, and a, a guy, I think, if you could trade up to maybe like, 10 or, or so to get Zach Collins. I, I think that might be worth a stab. I think he's uh, like, he actually legitimately seems to be a good shooter as well, but he also brought like a little bit of rim protection, a little bit of rebounding, stuff like that. He d- may take some time, but he, he would be a really interesting guy. And he, he'd be like a guy who maybe brings that toughness that we never got from uh, one of our other uh, backup centers. And uh, he, you know, just I, I could see him being somebody that the Blazers would definitely want. And if he's available at 15, they snatch him up. But I just don't think he's going to be there. Yeah, no, I feel like I feel like Col- there has been some Collins Blazer talk. Uh, Winner's view just did a video on like they should take him if he drops. But yeah, great, uh, great call there. Obviously, the Blazers could use some interior, some added interior toughness because mm-hmm. you can never be short on that. Also, you know, Ed Davis is going to be a free agent after next year. Uh, and, and, and Nurkic, you know, is, is young and will be getting an extension at some point probably, or will become a free agent and be do a lot of money, but they're going to need other big guys, I think in the pipeline. So, you know, obviously we've talked about a lot of them, but I think, I guess Collins would probably be like the best case scenario right now in terms of the bigs that they can possibly get at this point. Yeah. Maybe in the whole draft. So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, Mike Weisenberg from NBA draft.net. Mike, where can they find you? Where can they find your stuff and your takes uh, as we head up into the draft? Uh, Twitter at NBA draft.net or NBA draft. Mikey V uh, on NBA draft.net. Uh, we're going to be posting some cool content and uh, I have my EYBL right up coming up soon, but now I'm focused on all draft and uh yeah i'm just hoping to have a few good articles coming out in the next little while and uh i am always willing to talk basketball and answer any draft questions that people have great well uh we might have you on again uh when we get closer to the draft after we get some workouts and stuff like that uh this was fun i loved it man uh, gundy is a great friend of mine and uh I, i'm really glad to be on this podcast i was looking forward to it a lot and uh thanks so much for having me on man and big up to locked on blazers big ups all right subscribe to locked on blazers anywhere you can get a podcast and we will see you uh next week uh unless we maybe have a surprise in store all right uh until next time
Rush into Old Navy today for up to 50% off store-wide. Get dresses from $15 for women, $12 for girls, plus up to 75% off clearance for the whole family right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1016 to 1020, select styles only.